Okay, hello everyone and welcome to Actus Radio, the nation's only radio program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. Actus Radio is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bring you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today, Wednesday, January 16th, marks our 114th program. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, Developments in Outpatient CDI. I'm joined today by my familiar co-host at left of your screen. We have with us today Laurie Prescott. Laurie is the CDI Education Director for us here at Actus in Middleton, Mass. By way of background, Laurie is the developer and lead instructor for the Actus Bootcamp line and is an Actus subject matter expert. She's a former CDI manager and a nursing manager with experience in med surge, ICU, PACU, and, and, and endoscopy, excuse me, and recently authored a second edition of our popular CDI specialist complete training guide. And I want to welcome her to the show. So welcome, Laurie. Hey, Brian. Thanks. All right. Now I want to introduce our two industry guests today, possibly a couple familiar faces you might recognize, and I'm told they're also in the same city, although not in the same studio. So uh, first we have with us Tamara Hicks. Tamara is the Director of Clinical Documentation Excellence at Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, Tamara has more than 34 years of nursing experience, including more than 19 years in CDI. Can you believe that? Uh, she was a member of the original CDI team at Wake Forest, a uh, founding member of our Actus Advisory Board, and is currently finishing up the second term with us, uh, one of our few two-termers. We're going to be getting into this later in the program, but Tamara, in addition to helping write our first CCDS exam, also serves on our CCDSO Outpatient Certification Committee, and I'm very glad to have her on the program. So welcome, Tamara. Thanks for having me, Brian. Absolutely. And we also have with us Yvonne Whitley. Uh, Yvonne is the manager for the Novant Health Ambulatory Clinical Documentation Improvement Team. She was one of the first clinical documentation specialists tasked with creating this new department for Novant Health's medical group in September 2013, as well as building one of the first ambulatory CDI programs in the country. That program is now very robust. It supports much of Novon Health's medical group of over 530 physician locations and over 2,500 providers. By way of background, she's been with Novon Health for the last 20 years and comes from a nursing background with 30 years in critical care, trauma, and open-heart ICUs. Uh, you may, like Tamara, have seen her presenting at our conferences. She's also a member of our CCDSO certification committee, and I'm Thrilled to have her on her first Actus Radio. So welcome, Yvonne. Thank you, Brian. This is um, exciting, and thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. All right. Well, as I always do, I'm going to start with a question related to today's topic. Um, we're going to be covering outpatient CDI broadly, but also a little bit of our CCDSO certification. So we're interested to know if you're planning to sit for this new CCDSO certification exam and your options are yes no don't know we know this is very new maybe you need to learn more um, other or not applicable 
and I always caveat that not all of our listeners are actively in CDI, so might not be applicable to you. But again, are you planning to sit for this new CCDSO certification exam? Yes, no, don't know and need to learn more, uh, other, and not applicable. I had one person who commented that they don't have the outpatient work background, so not at this time. All right, we've got a little more than 80% of our audience that's voted. I'll just hold this open for one more minute while you check the answer that best applies to you. I'm gonna go ahead and close that at this time and we are going to, we will come back to this um, in just a few minutes. All right, as I mentioned, our guests today are Tamara Hicks and Yvonne Whitley. Guys, thanks again for being on the program and being a part of Actus Radio. Um, you know, I thought I could start, we could start today by just giving our audiences some, some context regarding your outpatient CDI departments at Wake Forest and Novon Health. I know they're, they're a little different. I know some of your reviews are the same. Maybe some of your processes are the same, but uh, I know there are also some differences, which is something we were working through uh, with our CCDSO program and uh, certification program and how to come up with some standards. But um, you know, maybe Yvonne, you could start by just giving our audience a little bit of background about how, how things operate at, at uh, Novant. Sure, um, be glad to. So we're a, a team of about eight nurses. We're all RNs, and we cover all of Novant Health's primary care and some of their specialties. Um, we just happen to also have coding cer certifications through AAPC. We require um, CPC for our team after two years of um, upon hire. And then another uh, certification, the CRC through AAPC, which is the Coding and Risk Adjustment um, Certification, as well as the CDEO, which is about um, coding certification in the outpatient setting, is recommended but not required. Our team reports to the Director of Government Value-Based Programs, which is probably very different than anybody else out there if you have a program up and running. Um, for us, it makes a lot of sense to be stru structured this way since so much of our work about clinical documentation improvement impacts the shift that we're in of fee-for-service to value-based care. So it's important that we also understand all these changes and help provide education to our providers about the why behind this requirement for specificity with diagnosis and documentation. So we perform prospective reviews, meaning patients that, are, that have a scheduled appointment, um, and we look for opportunities for specificity to send an electronic query to the provider as a staff message in their in-basket in EPIC. We, um, our EMR is EPIC. Um, and we communicate back and forth with our um, providers through that in-basket and that query. So once the query has been sent and they respond, we then do a follow-up to review exactly what did they do if they agreed to a certain diagnosis to use, did they actually do that, and then again provide further uh, feedback for that uh, query and that specificity. We're always available to do face-to-face -face education. We go out to the clinics and talk to our providers as one-on-ones or in group settings. Um, we also help educate our clinical staff and clinic uh, managers because it's sort of a, a, a team support for the provider. The more people that can understand what we're asking the provider, the more they can help to, you know, maybe tee up a note or it just depends on the different workflows within the clinics. 
some of the other things that our team works on is validating um, some patient uh, payer patient lists that we get with a couple of um, uh, payers that we have contracts with so that we can be sure to recapture HCC diagnoses, patients that have HCCs maybe that haven't been addressed or they, they haven't even been in to see um, a physician for an appointment to be seen. We will create lists to help give to our care coordinators that then schedule appointments for those patients so they can get taken care of and be seen for their chronic conditions. Um, and it enables us to, um, the better we do at recapturing, taking care of these patients, the more we're able to share in some of those um, savings. Um, another thing that our team is used for is for the quality, um, um, quality payment program measures. So every year, CMS for MIPS and any alternative payment uh, models that we may be or you may be involved with, for us, it's the Medicare Shared Savings Program. There's quality measures that need to be reported. And so whatever our EMR can't pull out electronically, then our team goes in manually to extract data to be able to um, uh, report for those measures. So we do a little bit more than CDI itself, um, which makes it very interesting for us. And we're constantly changing and doing what we need to to keep up with um, healthcare changes and what we need to do to help our providers. Absolutely. Thanks, Yvonne. Tamara, how does that resonate with you? Do you what, maybe you can talk a little bit about your program and how it's a little alike or different. Sure. So unlike Yvonne's structure, our department actually includes both inpatient and outpatient CDI. We were previously part of the care coordination or case management department. And about two and a half, three years ago, around the same time that we started our outpatient team, we became our own department. So we are clinical documentation excellence. We include both inpatient and outpatient. Um, I have an, a manager for both inpatient and outpatient teams. And the outpatient team, like Yvonne's, is eight nurses. We have eight FTEs in addition to the manager. Um, one of the inpatient team leaders also helps with auditing and education for that team. Um, each of the outpatient CDSs are uh, currently assigned to three to four of our primary care clinics. Um, that's about 20 ambulatory clinics that we're able to cover. And even with that, we're only able to cover about 50% of our Medicare Advantage lives covered by two of our largest MA risk shared contracts. So our scope is fairly small at this point. Um, we're actually working on a plan to divide up the work by regions and try to touch more of the providers in the clinics. So, so obviously our, our focus is also on HCC capture. Our team reviews cases prior to scheduled visits, much like Yvonne's team. Uh, when, when we find opportunities, we uh, actually send our queries by way of a uh, quality best practice advisory or BPA. And it fires when the when the provider accesses the encounter. Um, we're also an epic um, an epic uh, EMR. Uh, we just don't use the in basket. We found that that a lot of times is a, a negative because the provider doesn't always look at all of the things in their in basket. Um, and anyway, the CDS then goes back later to see if the provider answered the query. The piece that we don't do is to look to see if it actually got coded, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. You, you know, I'm listening to you, Tamara, and I, I love that you're your own department, clinical documentation excellence. And um, 
we we've been talking a little about the fact that you oversee both inpatient and outpatient CDI staff at the same time and their processes. And I'm sure that there are some challenges related to that. So can you offer us a, a little guidance as to um, how that works for you managing those two teams and then um, maybe pass the baton over to Yvonne and see how she manages the endeavors okay. that she's involved in. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so for me, I'm I'm not managing the staff directly. So for me, it's the same as inpatient. For our team, however, the biggest difference is that we made the decision to make the outpatient staff remote positions while the inpatient team remains on site. So with the option of working, they do have the option of working one day a week from home, but but for the most part, they're on site. Real estate was just proving to be impossible to find for, uh, mm -hmm. either in the hospital or in their clinics. So remote was the best option. And, and, and to me, managing remote staff just brings its own kind of challenges. Um, mm -hmm. But I will say that the processes are very different for the inpatient and the outpatient. In the inpatient setting, you have the luxury of wa waiting a day or two to review the record so that you have the better picture of the patient. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you don't have that advantage in the outpatient setting. It's also very difficult to approach a provider and discuss a specific case who's seeing a new patient every 15 minutes or so. So that's a challenge. The reviews in our case are done prospectively as, as opposed to concurrently in the inpatient setting. I know some places do this retrospectively, but concurrent reviews in an ambulatory clinic to me would just be next to impossible. And then the biggest challenge we've had um, that that we don't have with the inpatient team is the lack of resources in, in the way of, uh, of tools, electronic tools to capture mm -hmm. what we're doing. Uh, Yvonne and I have had this conversation many times. We're literally still using shared spreadsheets to track the work of the outpatient team. Mm -hmm. The vendors are working to keep up with this market, but they're just not working quite fast enough to keep up with us. <laughs> so, you know, that's my perspective on, on the differences. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more hands off, but the, the processes are very, very, very different. Right. How about you, Yvonne? Yeah, I would agree with a lot that Tamara says. I've never been an, a, an acute CDI specialist. I came to this job totally straight from critical care to to this role. And so because in our, our Novant Health, we have the acute CDI that falls under the umbrella of the acute facilities and clinical improvement and that. And then um, I'm on the ambulatory or medical group side. So it's almost like two different animals two different beings within Novant Health. And at first, um, we were sort of not sure where we, where we would be uh, structure organization-wise. And because government programs and CDI seems closely uh, tied together for a lot because it has to do with cost um, impact, we uh, were put under and a whole value-based team was, was created. And that's how, where we sit now. And I would, for us, we don't have uh, our CDI are not remote. That we actually have um, office space available, which is wonderful. And so, if we're not uh, working on our queries, and as Tamara said, there's there's really no uh, technology that's caught up with us for being able to be more efficient with data and analysis and reporting. Um, and it would be wonderful because the whole idea is we want to streamline more and become more efficient, so that we can get out there and talk to our providers 
and do education and do more of that than sitting and, and trying to do queries. But I will say for us, the in-basket messaging is a great way to talk, so to speak, real time with providers. Um, and what really helped us, um, I know Tamara, you mentioned that, you know, that was a problem about in-basket messaging and them not looking at it, but we have great leadership support, leadership support. And this past year for 2018, part of their um, compensation bonus was um, a 2% bonus if they completed uh, watching two CBLs, um, computer-based learnings that CDI created, and then a 1% on, hey, if you answer your CDI query within less than 10 business days, you can get another 1%. So we've had great success in our response rate <laughs> for that. So that's been oh, wow. wonderful. But it's, yeah, it was great. So um, that really helped to sort of also open up the window and let the light in of what CDI does and what we're here for. Um, so it's been a, a great um, way to get us better access and response from our providers. Nice. Terrific. You know, I, I know we're running a little short on time here for the interview part of the show, and I did want to talk a little about our new upcoming CCDSO certification um, for our listeners, a little, little uh, behind-the-scenes baseball here. Um, these, these guys have both been on our committee along with 10 other professionals um, developing our new certification program. We're very excited with ACTUS. This is our only our second certification um, since we started ACTUS 12 years ago. Um, we've, we've, the CCDS has been a great success and we're hoping the CCDSO mirrors that and helps to set standards for the industry. You know, there's a lot of variances between programs and we could anticipate that will continue to happen. But what we tried to do with the CCDSO was to um, put down some of the commonalities between these different programs, high performing programs from around the country and develop a, a credible exam that could capture a baseline of competency for folks that are in outpatient CDI. Um, you know, maybe Tamara, we could give a little color just on the work of the committee here, and certainly you could chime in as well, Yvonne, um, about the challenges of developing this exam and maybe a little bit about what potential examinees can expect from this new certification. Yeah, so it, it's really, to me, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I worked on the original exam committee, so I, I've helped mentor some of the folks like Yvonne to, to do this, but it was, it's was it been really fun. It's, but it's also very challenging. Um, you know, we started out by learning how to write exam questions. Um, like I said, a few of us had served on the inpatient exam, so we helped the others along. But then after all the questions were written, then we, we sat down to critique the questions and make them even better questions. And that's a lot of work, but it's really rewarding to sit with a group of folks who understand the work we do and come together and make a really good test that will eventually certify those who are real, the real experts. Um, I think the challenge for me has been uh, to think in terms of outpatient and what's unique to CDI in the outpatient setting. Also, what can be considered, quote, outpatient it can be very vast. I mean, Yvonne and I are talking today about HCC capture, but there's all sorts of settings that, that CDI could be in and be doing documentation improvement. So thinking in those terms can be a little bit daunting. Um, I think potential examinees can expect an exam that's fair, but it will challenge them. Um, I think they should be familiar with all the line, all the items on the exam outline. That truly is what we use to build the exam. 
Right. Good advice. And any, I any, totally uh, agree with her. Yeah, that was, yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was quite challenging for me too, since this is the first time I've done something like this and I learned so much. It was really rewarding, as Tamara said. Um, I think that the challenges we had were what she said and, and areas to be sure, what do we need to cover? Because this is so new, what are some areas that would be appropriate for an outpatient CDI to know, which is um, very different than, than acute CDI. And I think people should expect a very challenging exam with um, that requires a, a quite a bit of diverse knowledge base from everything from healthcare regulatory to coding, clinical knowledge. Um, there's going to be CDI scenarios. I, 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 I'm excited about it. It was really, I think it's going to be a really great exam. Yeah. Well, again, your your work made it possible. Um, it was a great group. If you want to learn more about the CCDSO. I just showed you a little navigation as they were speaking. You go to actus.org, our certification uh, tab here, and, and there's the CCDSO, and this talks about, um, we don't have time today, but you know prerequisites for the exam, how to apply. We are currently accepting applications, even though the exam is not live. We're, we're sort of putting, allowing people to apply at this, at this point. Um, you know, how it was developed, a little bit more about the committee and, um, you know, um, also some recommended sources for study, which I know has been already been um, asked about quite a bit. So that's all that information is here, and I'm happy to answer any questions you guys have uh, after the show for any interested listeners. All right. Well, at this point, I do want to go back to our polling question. I want to pull that open again. We did ask, speaking of the CCDSO certification, uh, whether you're planning to sit for this new exam. So we've got 13% that say yes, 41% say no, 36% uh, are in the don't know, need to learn more bucket. So we have some more work to do there. 2% uh, other, and then 8% not applicable. Um, any thoughts here, guys? Um, you know, just for me, I'll start. You know, that 13% is about right. You know, we've done some polling. Um, in our membership and how many people have have an outpatient CDI department, it's it's really around 30, uh, 15 to 20%. Um, so this number is not too surprising for me, but um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the results of our poll today. Well, I'll, I'll say I'm, I'm not really surprised because there aren't that. I mean, there we're this is still very, very new, and I, I'm, I'm actually not surprised at all. It's 36 percent that say they don't know or need to know more because it, it is so new, and it's, it, you know, people. Are, it's going to have to be socialized a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I think agree. I'm, I'm. Go ahead, Yvonne. Oops, sorry. Go ahead. Um, no, no. I'm I'm happy to see 13% because to be honest, like Brian said, there's, you know, it's still so new. Um, that's a little bit higher than I thought it might be. Um, and I, I, I guarantee it'll, it'll change as time goes on and there's right. more programs. Exactly. I wanted to just, you know, bring out that 36% that don't know or need to learn more and um, suggest to them that they go to the website and look at what the prerequisites for the exam are. Um, because the committee, we, we took a great deal of time trying to make sure that the people that were allowed to sit for the exam 
would have that baseline knowledge. Um, so, you know, look at those prerequisites and see where you fit in those categories and that might help you gauge a timeline as to when you would be able to sit for the exam or what other um, maybe skills you need to bring into your skill set. Right. All right. Well, thanks guys. Um, we're going to jump now to our in the news segment. So in the news is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession. Today, I'd like to discuss a story related to compliance concerns around outpatient CDI. I chose this because it does touch on some of the subjects we were covering today. Uh, this is, as you can see on your screen, from Fierce Healthcare DOJ, joins a lawsuit accusing Sutter Health of Medicare Advantage fraud. So um, this article, it explains that federal prosecutors have intervened in a newly unsealed whistleblower lawsuit which accuses uh, Sutter Health of submitting unsupported diagnosis codes to Medicare Advantage plans that generated inflated payments. Um, this comes weeks after DaVita's medical group sold, paid $270 million, excuse me, to resolve similar allegations. So this was a, a whistleblower suit um, that the DOJ announced that it would intervene in. Um, and um, this, the whistleblower claimed that the California-based health system submitted incorrect diagnosis codes and then failed to take sufficient corrective action once it became aware the codes were incorrect. Um, this does include some helpful links, which I'm showing you here, to some prior cases um, to provide some of uh, the scope of this problem. You know, we are seeing more and more of these cases come out about Medicare Advantage. We know that this is rapidly growing. Uh, payment program, um, you know, and I will say again, this is this right now. If you haven't already, you know, been able to deduce, it is a. Um, we we don't know the outcome of this case. It could be dismissed. Sutter Health indicates here they're they've uh, you know said they're going to defend them vigorously, defend themselves against the allegations. You know, I I would just say it does perhaps point to some vulnerabilities around the submission of diagnosis codes in the outpatient setting. You know, you guys were talking about this earlier, Yvonne and, and Tamara, just the high, very high volume, the quick turnaround of, of um, patients, the amount of cases you're having to cover, and many of them you, you just can't get to, um, inability to review every case, and as well as the overall newness of this outpatient profession, which we're well aware of here in Actus and the, the variances in practice, and we're trying to help standardize that with our new outpatient certification program, but um, it's a little bit, I've said this a million times, and Laura, you know, you have to, a little bit of the Wild West when it comes to outpatient CDI. And um, just I'm wondering if you guys had any thoughts on the article, maybe what you're doing compliance-wise. Um, there's a lot about, you know, meat diet, trying to meet meat, you know, <laughs> making sure a diagnosis is monitored, evaluated, assessed, or treated before you report it. Um, so any any thoughts on this piece? Well, I, I certainly yeah. see this as, this kind of situation is an opportunity for CDI to show its worth. Um, in our organization, we know that 70% of the time, the provider is the coder for the ambulatory encounter. So that means that only 30% are ever touched by a coder. And this is part of the reason we, we uh, have piloted and now created a new role to help follow up on cases that we've, at least on the ones that we've queried on after billing to make sure that the correct code was used. And then if it's not, we have data to show that 
we need to go back to the providers and educate them on that. Um, I think the more that, that we can educate providers about coding for HCCs and help them understand the importance of capturing the correct codes, the more compliant we are as an organization. Yeah, I agree. We're the same. We the Education is key, and that's why ambulatory CDI is so important. And we partner with our uh, revenue cycle and coding department and compliance so that we all are on the same page and give the same message to our providers, as well as help build, along with coding, some edits to put into place to help some of those claims uh, drop into work queues if, if, if need be, um, especially related to HCCs. So it's it's just it is impossible to review all of them on the ambulatory side, um, but it just points to the importance of CDI and getting that education out to the providers because they don't learn this stuff in school. You know they don't learn about coding. They just sort of on the job training and nobody's really told them how to do this. So they need all the help they can get. That's for sure. Right. Any thoughts on that, Lori? No, I completely agree with what the ladies have said. I think um, it's, as Tamara said, it's a chance for us in CDI to step up and and work to make sure that our processes are compliant and that we're working to help our physicians do the right thing with their documentation. I think we can help this. Right. Well, thanks, guys. Just to wrap up with a very quick ACTUS update. Again, this is a regular update bringing you the latest on what's going on inside of Actus. Um, as you can see on your screen there, we um, currently have um, openings on several of our boards and committees. Uh, this includes our Actus Advisory Board, of which Tamara is a member, our Actus Symposium Planning Committee. We have an outpatient uh, symposium event now uh, planned for November. We're looking for committee members for that. Um, our local chapter advisory board. These are liaisons between our local chapter leaders and our ACTUS national administrators, as well as our um, other certification, the CCDS uh, certification committee. So uh, this is an article on actus.org I'm showing you. It does contain information about the openings that we presently have, as well as a link to uh, apply for these if you're interested. Um, you know, the, the advisory board, we're looking specifically for two RNs, uh, one HIM coding professional and uh, one physician, uh, MD or DO. So the others are, are a little more flexible with their requirements. So um, I would encourage you to run for a board or committee. This is a, a great way to give back to Actus, to get involved, to learn from your peers, um, to grow yourself professionally and personally. This is a little bit of a story I wrote about my own experience with um, with volunteering, but it's a great way to be involved. I know we sometimes get requests to, for folks to do more. Yvonne and Tamara certainly speak to that. They've been great volunteers with our organization and very grateful to have them on. And um, if you're interested in learning more, check out this page on actus.org. Uh, it's actually right at the top uh, of the page here. Um, in our slider, this is the, the note from me about boards and committees and how to apply. So please give it some thought and um, we appreciate it. All right, well, that is gonna do it for today's edition of Actus Radio. We're gonna be back here again in two weeks. I just want you folks to know that our next call is actually Tuesday, the 29th, day, day earlier than our usual um, Wednesday cadence, but it is two weeks on January 29th. Well, of course, you'll get your reminders. We're going to be covering CDI management essentials. So as always, if you have any 
suggestions for future guests or ideas about the format of the show, please send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again, Yvonne, Tamara, and Laurie, and we'll see you guys back here in two weeks. Take care, everyone.